the Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Hi, this is Corey Edge and Trevor Kirkpatrick. Uh, wait, maybe not. This is Heidi Anderson, and tonight I am taking over Stock Talk because we are going to interview Corey and Trevor. All right, before we get to us, we got to do some hats off because we got to recognize who our hat goes off to this week, but it doesn't go out without doing it with Big Paul Life Lifestyle Company and Fierce Threads. Guys, I'm telling you, the material that they have for 2021 style stuff is incredible because you're about to see some of our apparel on Fierce Threads apparel, and I cannot wait till you guys get to see it. But the coolest thing is you can use Fierce Threads as your source to put your logos on their material. How about that? And if you're just in the market to buy some livestock-centered apparel, well, Big Paw. So they got um, you covered. They do. All right, Corey. Well, this week's hats off is actually... A submission. Ooh. So there's a gentleman submitted a hats off, and and personally, my hat goes off to these people too. If you're in the sheep industry and you have AI groups uh, and you've participated in a lengthy AI group, you know, 100 views or something like that in a day, our hats go off to the folks that move use in and out of those turntables. Oh yeah. I mean, that is a thankless job. And so if you were, if you were that person that gets those used lo loaded in the basket, um, we, we appreciate you and our hats go off to you. Thanks for the submission. Uh, good stuff there. I like that one. Oh, that is a good one. Submission. Huh? I, I didn't know yeah. we were doing that. Interesting. Okay. Well, mine's an easy one. It's not not baby power this time, but uh, pretty simple because, Corey, my hat goes off to you, man. Uh, on our way back from Des Moines, you drove like 80% of the time. Like, I was pretty tired the first hour and a half. There. Huh? There. Yeah, but, man, on the way back, I was tired, and you just took the wheel and went for it. Got to Indiana in a matter of no time. In a rainstorm, by the way. In a rain, in a bad rainstorm. Bad rainstorm, but that eventually made it to Ohio. Got some rain in Ohio finally. Good to go. But hats off to Corey Edge this week, folks, because he drove us all the way home after being dead tired from the summertime conference. So, you know, I feel like you could blanket statement that one. The the person that drives from the livestock show because you're going to, you know, that's you what I should have done. You're. You're anticipating, but you know, I'll take the credit here. Don't don't get me wrong. That's what I should have done. You're right. The the general person. Okay, you, you don't you don't you don't get one this week. It's fine. All right, sure. <laughs> but yeah, you are because you're tired. You're like, oh, we gotta go home and unload this trailer. Right, right, right. Well, everybody knows we couldn't do this podcast if it wasn't for our great folks at Walton Webcasting. They were <laughs> so we we ran into Greg for a brief second, and he he seemed a little I won't say distraught, but on a mission and they just left the show they just arrived in des moines then they had another crew i think they said 
Minnesota or something, Missouri. And then I saw the Cass County Fairs going on, so they have a crew there. Guys, they're everywhere. That goes without sure. saying, if you want your show broadcast that's coming up, get a hold of Walton. And if you just want to sit back and watch, just view the archives, $4.99 a month, roll with it. Join the Facebook group, Walton Webcasting Live. You will not be able to watch the shows anymore on their on their public Facebook page. Good point. Go to their private Walton Webcasting Live. Join the group. You won't regret it. Yes. It's only livestock shows. Not not any other content other than their broadcasted shows. Pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um now we are we are approaching uh if you have not scheduled your fall sale on show cattle connection. I don't know. I don't know if you have show cattle and you haven't done that yet. It may seem uh, late, but still not too late. Oh, it's not, it's not, you can do it. Um, I know lots of folks are going to have their, their sales, uh, here. Labor day weekend is, is kind of a popular one for baby calf sales. Yep. So let's, uh, let's get, let's get those things booked and no place better in the show cattle industry than to go to, show cattle connection mm -hmm. and their many talented reps to get those things booked. And if you're selling breads or anything else in the show pig world, uh, showpig.com need I say more. Yeah. Well, there it is. But yep. all right. Well, I guess we're getting hijacked. So see what happens. Are you all ready? We, you I know, could, somebody uh, had to hijack this show once just to make sure that you guys got your stories out there. Well, yeah, and this is something we kind of talked about that meeting, and I guess we never really told us. We tried to at the very beginning, but nobody listens to that one. <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, I'm glad it's you because we are going to get you. We're, I'm telling you, you and Jenna Stanley need to have a podcast together. Oh, yes. I don't know. I don't know. It's maybe a one-time only thing, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, as a, as a mom, I'm pretty good at getting truth out of people. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, let's start with. I mean, let's start with some easy questions. I'll give you guys a couple of snowball ones to start with. Why don't you guys give us each a little bit of your background? Like, you know, I know most of us know where you're from, but not everybody does. You know, you guys have picked up a few new listeners over over the last couple of years. So um, yeah, just give us some information about you. Go for it, Corey. Well, this is uh, this is Trevor Kirkpatrick's brainchild, but it is nice to go first every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for those that don't know, my, my background is pretty diversified in the livestock industry. And I guess that's kind of maybe where um, I didn't grab a strong footing before I got to JUCO um, on, on maybe a national level. Uh, so I grew up in central Indiana and raised some, some Simmental and Maine cattle, uh, had some sheep, showed some pigs, um, all kind of county and state fair level stuff. Um, and that was, that was kind of it. My dad was a really competitive uh, show cattle guy from, from the beginning uh, he and my grandpa probably at one point, I think they were like 175 um, purebred Simmental cattle, um, which is interesting that we're kind of getting back into it now. Um, yeah, 
higher light under dad a little bit to get back in the film industry is going to be kind of fun to watch. But anyways, um, that's kind of where it started uh, for my dad. And that's what led into me uh, getting involved in the, in the show stock industry from the beginning. So my mom and dad actually met at Blackhawk, which is kind of ironic that my wife and I also met at Blackhawk. Um, and so dad judged for Hogue uh, and Denzer, Lee Denzer. For those that don't know, um, that time uh, he was on a very competitive team. So um, there was there was lots of folks out there, but one one that sticks out in particular is actually my namesake. And I was told that I probably should tell this story on the podcast at some point. So I guess since we are the ones being interviewed and telling stories, I'll be the one to tell it. Um, so for you Hereford enthusiasts out there, um, there's a family located. Uh, just outside of Macomb, Illinois, uh, with the last name Louderman. Um, and if you're familiar with Hereford Cattle, you know that name uh, is very, very strong and has been for years. Uh, when my dad was on the judging team at Blackhawk, he was on the same team as Corey Louderman. And Corey uh, was an incredible cattleman. Um, and, and these are all secondhand stories. Um, but Corey was tragically killed in a car accident while at Blackhawk. And during that time, um, my dad and mom had just started kind of dating. Uh, but then dad went to the U of I and shortly after that, mom and dad got married and that's my namesake. So uh, I was named after Corey Louderman. And uh, what was really cool about judging at Blackhawk was when we went out to the Loudermans to work out, uh, there was uh, like the most beautiful sunset you could imagine with a bunch of Hereford cows in a pasture and uh, Corey's mom and dad walked up to me and handed me a postcard. And so she told me not to open it until I got back home uh, and it's a little emotional conversation, but I got to read it and I never got to know Corey, obviously um, never really got to know the Loudermans at all uh, up until that point. And, uh, the, I still had the postcard. It, it was perfect cows on one side, but pretty much, um, told me that they had watched me grow up from afar and were pretty proud of what I'd done and, uh, that, that they were proud that I got to share his name. So kind of a cool story there. Um, and it went really full circle after freshman year at Blackhawk, there was an award given, um, for the most outstanding freshman livestock judge and it was in honor of Corey Lauterman. And so I received that award too. And that was pretty cool. So, um, you know, uh, lived, uh, after, after Blackhawk went to, uh, tech and, um, that brought me back to Illinois because I met a girl and that's what we do. Uh, so I'm told, uh, but yeah, grew up in, uh, Indiana, lived in Illinois for a few years and now I'm back home uh where i originally grew up in central indiana so it's kind of come full circle um it's been been fun we're raising some competitive club lambs and uh trying to stay involved in in as many avenues of the show stock industry as i can and this podcast certainly helps us out so so it begs the question as amazing as that story is one thing that i'm observing through that is exactly how close that showstock family is and how much it really entails in all of our lives every day. 
Also, yeah. the second thing I see from that, not taking away, would be, is there a dating service at Black Fox? I have... <laughs> I don't, I don't know. There it's, I mean, it's, is it, is it, are there girls there just, you know, are you guys, it, it's, I think more marriages come of that judging program than almost anything else in the, <laughs> in the any other judging program in the country. Uh, it is crazy. I, I never expect, I guess I never expected it to happen, but you know, when, uh, when my wife and I first started dating, we actually didn't date while we were at Blackhawk. And that's the funniest part about the stories. We were we were good friends the whole time, but never even entertained dating while at Blackhawk. And then uh, afterwards, our paths kept crossing, and one thing led to another. So I was persistent. I was pretty persistent. If she was on the microphone, she would say that. So <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And I met Trevor, who is my my other wife, I guess. <laughs> Work wife. Yeah. Work wife. <laughs> oh crap. Yeah, Blackhawk. That's a, that's a good. Uh, well, it's gotta be an app, you know, nowadays it's not Bumble, it's Blackhawk and that, that could be there the dating app. So why bright? Uh, I guess it's my turn. Um, so the reason, one of the reasons why Corey and I get along so well is because our backgrounds are quite different. Um, I was very one-sided species wise. So, uh, but, but even before I got started in the livestock deal, I thought, I was the best athlete and was going to be an NFL superstar. Well, the genetics gave me the ability to be five foot eight and 160 pounds. So that was short lived. Uh, and the only reason I say that is because all through high school, I love football. I love athletics and middle school. I, I, you know, I showed livestock all through that, but it really didn't hit me until uh, I sat down with my, uh, cousin and great uncle who I'll talk about a lot in this story Mike and Jim McCoy and those avid listeners know that's kind of my relatives but I showed livestock competitively um I took sheep for two years um but took hogs the rest of the time so that's why I say it's pretty lopsided so um in my middle school I I thought I was going to be a a professional athlete and then finally got serious and Mike kind of grabbed me and said hey you know let's think about your future here. What, what do you want to do? And I had no clue and he kind of let it go and, uh, did a lot of, lot of show. And thanks to the McCoy family, uh, my, Mike and Jim. And it, it really took hold when I, I got started, uh, a little late. So usually everybody starts when they can walk showing pigs, judging and all that. But my first year of showing pigs, I didn't really start until I was 10, my first year ever. And, I'm sure the avid listeners know this too, but my first year showing, I took rabbits and that's, that's all I took. So, uh, and actually, uh, a funny story that comes from that is one of our guests, Brandon Ogle was the first judge I ever had. And that was at the Fayette County fair here in Ohio. And he asked me what I like best about 4-H and I was like, well, rabbits, but the pigs are more competitive than showing rabbits. So he always gives me a lot of crap for that. So uh, I guess I skipped the part where I say I'm from Ohio, born and raised, um, never left the state like Corey did. I actually, the only time I left the state was to go to Blackhawk for two years and then came back. So I'm from Washington Courthouse, Ohio, um, which is, if you date back, some of the biggest breeders in mines kind of go back to, to selling pigs at, at Fayette County Fairgrounds 
which was my home county. Now I live in Loudonville, Ohio, which is the eastern eastern side of the state there. So anyway, going back to um, you know what I was going to do with my life, and I got a little older, get onto like sophomore year there, and uh, really got competitive. Um, again, fortunate enough to have Jim and Mike as mentors through the whole process, and we went to Denver and Georgia, Louisville, uh, show circuits all through Indiana. Of course, they're not like they are now, uh, but we hit every single one we possibly could. And that's when I really understood that this is my livelihood and this is what I, I, I want to do is the show pig deal. Um, so from that, Mike said, hey, what, what are you doing with your life? What, what do you want to, where do you want to go to school? And at that time, I thought, you know, okay, I'm, I'm a born and raised Buckeye. I got to stay in the Ohio State. In the Ohio State realm, I'll just go to OSU ATI. And he said, not a bad school at all. A lot of, lot of great people there. But I want you to consider one thing. I'm not going to make you do it, but go visit Kewanee, Illinois. There's a guy waiting for you there by the name of Dan Hoke. I said, okay, I can do that. And, you know, a year or so went by and we scheduled that visit and we packed the car up. And if you know us, Kirkpatrick's, we travel as a tribe. The grand, Grandpa yeah, yeah. went. You know, it's not just a dad or mom deal that the whole group goes. So we loaded up and we went out there and uh, it was second home to me. And um, those who know, Mike um, was a very competitive judge out there. And he was one of the first in, in our area to go out to Blackhawk. So I came back and told him the good news. I said, hey, that's that's where I'm headed. That's where I want to be. And um, really, it, it, it just... One thing led to the next. I'll never forget after I graduated and I was excited to get out there. I got in my what we call, I'll bleep this out maybe, maybe I won't, the ship box. Uh, it's a Ford, <laughs> Ford Focus yeah. with very heavily tinted windows and uh, it was a hatchback. So it looked like a little ladybug going down the road. But anyway, I stuffed that thing as full as we could. And uh, mom and dad had a truck and trailer. Uh, that followed me and got my furniture and stuff out there. And it was just me and my sister in uh, the focus. And on the way out there, after she fell asleep after several miles, I thought, I don't know anybody out here other than Dan Hogue. And what the heck am I doing driving six and a half hours clear to the northern tip of Illinois just for a community college? And I I was kind of had a, a freak out moment. And got there, got settled in, the family left and, you know, mom tears in her eyes and, you know, the dad, you go get him, boy, that kind of thing. And then I kind of had that moment of like, okay, I'm really on my own here. I don't know anybody. And had a little freak out moment in my little closet of a room there at Country North in Kiwani, Illinois. So uh, that was a surreal moment because I had to I had to make myself either get it or get going or just pull back the reins and see what you can do. So luckily I don't know a stranger and went to first day of class, went to judging class. And then it literally took about five minutes before a, I saw the biggest guy in the room happened to be Corey edge. And, uh, I think you and Ben Lennig, if I remember right, the story goes, we were standing outside of the auditorium, which is now the Dan Hogue auditorium. And there was a very skinny pale white, Man, young man with a Purdue Boilermaker hat standing next to a very tall, big, athletic basketball player looking Corey Edge, and it was Ben Lennick and Corey Edge, and then that's when I jumped into the friend group 
with with you uh, Indianians. So, uh, anyways, I found a quick safety net there with a group of friends that were now lifelong friends. And to kind of go into the Blackhawk story that most people don't know this story is, I never marked a card at a national contest at, at Blackhawk. Uh, never really traveled with the team when they only took a select few. We had uh, 13 or 14 members on our team, and I was always 10th through 14th. Our, our team was stacked. Uh, our wins probably don't reflect that, but we had a, a lot of very, very talented uh, members in, in our team. And I remember sitting in the group and everybody was talking about their state contest and all that. And I was fortunate enough to be on the, the Ohio State FFA team. And uh, I thought I was pretty hot stuff coming in there. Like, oh, I was, I'm, I'm on the state team. I know what I'm doing. Then I got into the judging room. And I believe we had all of Illinois' state judging team on there, half or two-thirds of Indiana's state judging team there, two Iowa state judging team members. And this, when I say judging team members, I mean state winners. And I had a no-shit moment because now I'm a little fish in a big old pond. Um, first, first set of reasons to Dan Hogue was terrible. Um and embarrassing so knocked me across my knees was what i needed best <laughs> so um but anyways um I, I never marked a card at the national contest and um i always use that as motivation for the next one i was always a team player um and kind of push forward so um then i from there i transferred back to um the ohio state university and finished out my bachelor's degree there. I was on the judging team at Ohio State for, for two years, obviously, and um, had a successful run. I think things were finally starting to click since I was so behind coming from Ohio, going to that competitive team and atmosphere. I needed those two years to get myself rolling. That's why I always tell the kids that, that come from a environment that isn't as competitive as Indiana, Illinois, as far as livestock judging goes, is use those two years strictly to knock the rust off and to get going and to, to network, to steal terms from your teammates and then transfer somewhere else. And that's where you're going to be your peak. And that was the, the case for me, fortunately. So I got back to Columbus and um, to make the long story short here, uh, ended up being high individual, uh, kind of my my peak of my career, my highlight anyway. Um, I guess I was seventh overall at Denver uh, and then went to the national contest there at the end of the year and was high individual in swine. Um, and that was kind of like, that's all I wanted to do with, with my collegiate judging career was, was win hogs in Louisville. And I uh, don't suggest those kids listening do this, but I kind of dropped everything and focused on hogs. And that, that was my background. That's what I wanted to do. And that was a, that was a cool moment pulling back into the, to the, um, to the place back there in Southern Ohio. And, you know, that was, that was a cool moment because that was the first time of judging success and it, it finally broke through. Um, but now I, I still, like I said, live here in Eastern part of Ohio, born and raised. Everybody knows me. I'm a diehard Buckeye. Um, but that's fall. what's that till fall. If we have till, a, till if we have a season, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's the, that's the long winded roundabout way of the Trevor Kirkpatrick story. But 
never know how long to talk in these things because like we get our guests on and like we want to hear what they have to say like i feel like i don't know it's this is a different deal different on the other side this is a good exercise you feel what the rest of us feel when you're interviewing us yeah that's true (laughs) the anticipation am i gonna answer the questions right am i gonna sound okay all of that kind of stuff i do have an extra like a question for you trevor Mm -hmm. so is Ohio State still Ohio State if you don't say the in front of it? Okay, so I'll put this to rest, and everybody makes fun of us for it, but we were the first state school in the state of Ohio. So that is the claim to fame for the Ohio State University is the state university of Ohio. So that's why you say it that way. Now, I I will, depending on who I talk to, I will stretch out the Ohio State University and usually if I if I judge in the state up north or surrounding areas that know me, I'll capitalize the in my bio and see what they say. But usually it's a big laugh. I'm not one of those. I say the Ohio State University because that's the title of the university. So, yes. Had to add it. Well, while we're on while we are on the um, the topic of stories and backgrounds and all of that kind of stuff. Um, now, mind you, I'm going to tell you guys, you have to keep this PG 13 rated. I would like you guys to, you know, just give me an idea. Tell me what your favorite story about the other one is. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. See, we're too fresh out of college, I think for some sort. Uh, okay. How would I tell two? I'll tell, I'll tell a maybe a little bit of a comic story uh something that always will stick with me and then i'll tell one uh i'll tell a story maybe i'm most proud of um so (laughs) trevor and i invented i don't know if we invented or if we saw so when we were in junior college vine you guys like tiktok and and whatever else came out before tiktok if you like that uh, Vine was the big thing when we were, and, and Snapchat was brand new, like nobody really knew. So uh, there was this thing on Vine that we saw where an individual, uh, like I'm trying to think of how to describe this, but pretty much uh, somebody bends over frontwards and sticks their hands through their knees. And then a person gets behind them, grabs their hands and lifts up, causing the person that's been over with their hands between their knees to do a flip. So Trevor and I uh, were at a a Wednesday evening soiree and uh, we were feeling pretty confident that after a few tries uh, we had this thing down and we could, we could do it at the party that we were at. Ow, son of a gun hit my elbow. Uh, So we we were at a, an event that we thought we felt pretty confident. We can, we can nail this uh, trick at, and so um, Trevor kind of cleared the middle of, uh, of the crowd and we attempted this thing, which uh, I was probably feeling a little stronger than I had been before. And I over-rotated Trevor and he face planted straight into the hardwood floor. Now, mind oh. you, when you do this flip, uh, so you, you have to hold the hand, like the hands are be- between your legs and you lift those up, like Corey said. Well, he had my hands behind my back at that point, so it was yeah. face first, 
right into the floor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, when that happened, Trevor didn't move for a good 30 seconds. Like, thought I, I he was a goner. Uh, he got up with a huge gash across his forehead. And I mean, like, stuck pig bleeding down his face. So... After everybody gets a good laugh, uh, Trevor goes to the basement of his little uh, Narnia nook there at, at Country North, and uh, we we put an ice pack on him, and uh, he doesn't attend the rest of the night's festivities. So the next morning, we're leaving at like, I don't know, 6 or 6.30 to go work out at Tree Lane, and... Uh, we get there up on the hill. If anybody knows or is familiar with tree lane setup, we get up to the hill and uh, Trevor decides for some reason to wear a white ball cap with a bandaid over this gash in, in his forehead. And so we get out and we start working out. Now, hold on before that point. Um, oh yeah. Oh, I know what you're going to say. So we get ready to get on the bus yep. And one of our other teammates, Elizabeth Heaton, bear hugs Trevor as soon as we show up that morning to the bus and knocked the bill of his hat into his forehead. He hadn't started bleeding through the Band-Aid or anything yet. So then we get to, yeah, so then we get to <laughs> Tree Lane and all of a sudden sweat starts going. We're out there for a little while. Band-Aid comes off and then Trevor's hat starts turning red. And then there's a stream of, of blood going down Trevor's face. Uh, we just got done judging a class and Hogue is kind of collecting our cards and he sees Trevor's forehead and uh, he looks at him and everybody at this point had knew known what had happened. Looks at, <laughs> looks at Trevor. He says, uh, Kirkpatrick, you doing all right there? And Trevor puts his hand on his forehead. sees his bleeding. He's like, Oh no. He's like, uh, what happened there? Trevor's like, oh, I was doing laundry last night, fell down the stairs <laughs> in front of everybody. And we all start laughing uh... <laughs> because we knew it was a BS story. And uh, <laughs> evidently word got to uh, like our coach at the time also was Jared Boyer. So he uh, <laughs> he pulled Kirkpatrick aside and said, you're going to keep your head on straight enough for this next class to come out? <laughs> He's like, I don't know, man. It's cattle, you know me. <laughs> then, so that was that was probably a funnier story. I just I'll never forget the look on Hogue's face when he pulled that card and he said, Kirkpatrick, you doing all right there? <laughs> you know Dan. I, I mean We are idiots. Still uh, are. So yeah. yeah, that was a dumb story. But one of my proudest moments, proudest stories, I guess, of Trevor is uh well, I kind of have two. Cause one of them short. So one of them is when uh, Trevor texted me a picture of his high individual trophy there at the North American and kind of leading back to your old story is like, you never did get, I mean, you got cards at Barra show in the and, stands. That was, and, and that was, that was a really cool moment to see you go from like not real heavy experience, livestock judger going into Blackhawk to finally getting uh, a big piece of something at the last one. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but the other one is honestly uh, last summer 
almost a year ago, well, in a month, I guess, um, when we were at uh, the Indiana State Fair and uh, we were on the Grand Drive Coliseum floor and uh, just kind of like, it was just a cool moment to just absorb things and look around. And uh, this whole podcast idea was Trevor's brainchild. I'll never claim it because he's the one that called me and asked if I thought it was a good idea or not. But then I got to look and uh, just kind of see his little idea about starting a podcast turn into we're standing on the Coliseum floor at the Grand Drive at the Indiana State Fair. So those are my stories. Wolf. I think one of the things that's kind of striking me between you guys' stories and your backgrounds and everything else is that what you sometimes think are disappointments or inconsequential steps lead you in big strides towards something different and towards something where you are today. I mean, mm-hmm. like, things like not marking cards, I mean, not marking cards at Blackhawk led you to a point and the exp- every little experience leads to something else. Yep. I thought about packing the bags a lot of times, but I was like, you know what? These, this, these people are way too cool. Like I was a people person. Got to keep moving. Get your nose to the grindstone. But, whoa, I love the stories. Those, those are good ones. Um, however, um, oh, hold on, hold on. I have another Blackhawk story <laughs> that needs to be told. Well, you're going to leave any for me or what? No, no, no. This is this is a memory of you. Okay. Me and Ben, me and ben Lenig love telling this story. So this was like right at the beginning. We're taking Hugs Animal Science class freshman year. And we are out in in a roughneck pasture in Illinois, and we are pro- we are processing we are processing cattle. Uh, we're we're castrating steers, we're vaccinating, we're deworming, all kinds of cool stuff. So <laughs> we uh, when we get when we get to this shoot, we have somebody running the head gate, somebody pouring, somebody uh, is supposed to be in the back castrating, uh, and somebody doing an implant. So there's four people involved in this scenario. Well there's a girl that's running the head gate and she'd been doing a pretty nice job getting things caught and not letting stuff through horse girl at that horse girl, not any experience working with cattle before. Well, then uh, we start getting to, at that point we were doing some heifers and then we got starting to these bull calves and Trevor was up front. I think you were given implants mm-hmm. and this bull calf, probably 800 pounds starts i mean going through this through this shoot she misses the head gate catches him by the shoulders and then he busts through trevor is standing smack dab in the middle of this gate and if trevor ever did want to be an athlete he you know he probably needed another six or eight inches of height he took this bull calf picked him up and flipped him on his back in the shoot (laughs) and i swear to god I have never seen a small human like Trevor completely obliterate what would have been his his grave uh, coming at him. Full I'll never forget. Uh, I looked over at Hoke because I thought I screwed up because now the calf is headed back towards the catch pen. Like he is yep. reverse in the chute with his butt on the head gate facing the other direction. And I looked at Hoke and I was like, oh boy, I'm I'm about to get my butt ripped and he was like hell of a lot better than going in the pasture and finding it <laughs> there was a there was a round of applause because of what happened oh my I, gosh 
There were so many people. What's funny about this is there were so many people that walked up to Trevor to become friends with him after seeing that happen. Like, I want this kid on my team because he just flipped an 800 pound bull calf and made him look like a sissy. <laughs> so, okay, that's my other Blackhawk story. I had well, to somebody wouldn't blink twice at you doing it, Corey. Oh, right. It but was a fear surprise factor. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it sure like posed and then some sort of like muscle man thing after you did that. That was still pretty early. I feel like that was like, Oh, it was probably like, it was probably week two or three of Hogs Animal Science class. Yeah. Good stuff. Oh my gosh. That is a good one. You could tell that he was like, Trevor, what's that? So there's a cattleman inside you yet. I think, well, (laughs) I don't know. Because I think any rational cow man would have said, Mr. the headgate, send him out. I'm not taking one to the chest. <laughs> but Trevor, but Trevor said, Nope, he's staying. We gotta get this thing done. It's like it's a lot different than a baby pig. That's uh, true. Yeah. I've never I've never flipped a sow on her back. I will say that. Oh uh, boy, those right. are good. Right. I now, I've got a lot of stories. I, I'm let me preface this with I have a ton of stories. Those that need to be told on here. I can think of one. <laughs> uh, so if anybody else, you know, I don't know if we're going to do a stock talk after dark, or whatever, down the road, if they want to pay for it, we'll sure tell them about it. But we'll save that for, for another day. Today, I want to talk about uh, Aggie Idol at, at Blackhawk. <laughs> so uh, those of you who have not attended Blackhawk College, um, or if you are and you're listening to this, I hope they still have Aggie Idol. So what? it's obviously a talent contest, and I have no talent as far as singing or playing an instrument or as far as trying to do a front flip when Corey flips me over, whatever. It always ends in a disaster. So, but Corey and I were like, you know what? We, we, we got to do it. We, we got we to gotta do something. We don't know what. Well, let's put our name down on this piece of paper here floating around the uh, common room, and we're, we're doing it. We don't know what. Well, we're going to do it. So we actually signed twice because we thought, you know what? If we're going to win this deal, we have, we have to have a backup. So we, uh, we decided it, and we had just a, a couple weeks to prepare. I mean, we had, we had months, but we procrastinated for a couple weeks. So anyway... We sat down and we're like, "What song do you do you know best? Is it you know the um, thrift shop song? Is it whatever?" And at that time, we were we were both we both knew every word to Bohemian Rhapsody, so we thought, "Okay, that's our headliner. We're going to do Bohemian Rhapsody." And then the most popular song of that time was um, uh, by Walker McGuire. Help me out, Corey. What was the name of the song? Uh man, the first song that came. Best kind of bad. Up. Best kind of bad. There it is. So that was the song of, of the times, and we I was like, all right, that's going to be our backup, and we're going to do it. So uh, if I remember right, the title of our act was CT Plus One. Yes. So there was a plus one in there, and we didn't tell anybody else about what the heck's this plus one thing. Uh, and it was it was a laugh of the town because they're like, there's no way you guys are singing that you guys are going to back out. What's this plus one deal? So uh, we we practice like once at the shack and tell, tell tell the tell the good people about our thrift shop experience. Oh, yeah. So we thought, OK, if we're going to be Bohemian Rhapsody, we got it. We got to dress that way. So we decided let's go to the, let's go to the thrift store. 
let's see what apparel we can get to match this deal. So we we kind of yin yanged it, it like the the symbol because I had, if I remember right, a black a black top or or no 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 I wore white pants because I specifically remember where I got them. It was the women's department store, and they they were women's pants because I couldn't find any men's <laughs> pants that were yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I had the white shirt, the black pants, and so we 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 had it three quarter way unbuttoned and just looking like idiots. And uh, we thought, you know what, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it big. We had the hair all spiked up and crazy looking. Um, So we performed, but the the plus one we had um, was uh, gosh, I forget his last name. Trev Nelson. Trev Trev Nelson. Nelson. Guitar player. We found out. So we uh, we had him do the chords to the Bohemian Rhapsody guitar solo, and he hid behind the curtain. So anyway, the the song the song plays, which we for Stock Talk Nation, we tried to put this on YouTube, got taken down because of the copyright deal. Um, so we'll we'll try to get that figured out. But <laughs> we go into this deal uh, not sober, and we perform, we go around the, the crowd, we slap hands, we fist bump, we do all this crazy stuff and finish. And then he, he comes out of the, the curtain and knocks down the flag and things are falling everywhere. And he doesn't, he doesn't even start until it's halfway through. Uh, so that, so that's, that was one of my best memories ever. And then uh, the Walker McGuire song, um, we had uh, Shelby Riley play the guitar to that. And we sang along to it more of a laid back bar stool atmosphere. We were, uh, we were voted we were voted out after our performance of Bohemian Rhapsody, which I was really upset. We were voted out of the final round, but the audience we played to the audience and they wanted us to come out and sing our second song. Yes. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. That is true. But that was a heck of a night. I mean, the videos out there, the, the videos on YouTube, it just can't be public because the uh copyright problem but that's the biggest pg-13 story that i have um i have a serious one but i don't think Corius want cory would want me to to say it but we'll leave it we'll leave it be you can say it it's fine uh, um so this is a, a serious moment but i think this is when we we decided the volume and magnitude of our friendship um i pulled if you've ever been to harvard on the hill you have to go underneath the school climb a hill and then you make a a curve to the right to park behind the school so i was making my way underneath the school to park uh in the shit box and i I noticed a rather large human um kneeling or kind of squatting by by a tree with his hand with his head in his hands in like a very distraught posture so i was like well i only know about two people on earth that have that that size so one of them's Corey, and I parked the car and kind of walked over real slow, and it was Corey, and I walked over, like, dude, everything okay? And, like, pulled his head out of his hands, red eyes, crying, like something serious has happened, and I think I remember saying something like, is the family okay? And you just kind of shook your head, and I, and I thought, okay, it's probably, you know, some kind of other situation. I, I'll leave it be. If he needs to tell me, he'll tell me. Um, so long story short, Things cool down. He finally tells me that um, back in the college days, there was an unloyal girl who um, he found out a roommate and him were not as close friends as maybe they thought. 
So that was a moment of, you know, I think, I don't want to pull this out there, but, you know, my mom and dad met here. This was my chance, yada, yada, yada. And we had awesome, awesome talks. Like, look, there's this isn't the only one. Screw her. Let's let's move on. Let's live our life. You're way more talented than this. And like from that point on, like it was we were always really good friends. But then we we became like brothers. Like there's there's more to this than just well, singing Bohemian I got, Rhapsody. I got my heart broke for the first time when you were there. Yeah. Well, and I didn't know the 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 magnitude of. I didn't know anything, but I I knew the I knew who and I knew how. That's pretty much it. And. From that point, we moved forward, and that was just like a turning point. Not not really a, a good story even, but that was just one of those points where I was like, ooh, you know, okay, I've been there once. Let's, yeah. So big moment in, in the relationship, I think. Very well, true. I think it like goes to show, too, um, when you, whenever your tips are down, per, you know, in any kind of a situation, the person that you look up and see and the people who stick around and the people who are there tend to be there for the long haul. Yep. And that was a very visual way. It seems like for you guys as well. Definitely. Yeah. There's, there's lots of stories like that, but that just goes to show you the kind of like, I don't think it, it, it would have taken me a lot longer to make a friend like that. Had I gone straight to a four year university. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was our freshman year. So like those are those are things that that this livestock community can bring into your life because it extends past the four legged the four legged animals that we all love together. It it goes into much deeper roots than that. Yep. Um so I agree. That was, that was a turning point. Yeah. Definitely. Well, at some point in time we're going to get this this gentleman a monster jam type ad read in the shows but for now hear me out tarbell marketing and design hands down the best at designing logos brand merchandising and making sure that you got your head out of your butt and you're getting those things marketed right whether it's your business or your livestock and might i add a quality human and pig fitter as well folks right now we've been talking about it for months but if you talk to jace about a new logo design or print ad or anything any type of work at tarbell marketing and design 15 percent off if you tell them you heard it on stock talk and you're a first-time customer that's all i got to say about that tarbell marketing and design look up their website follow them on the socials back to the show all right. Well, you guys ready to switch gears a little? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. This is going to be your gimme, all right? If you have a dream interview, and we're going to do a little kicker to this one, a non-agriculture dream interview, you could interview anybody, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a tough one, actually. That should be a gimme. But... I mean, I know, I know mine. Go for it. Okay. I've talked about him several times on the show. <laughs> I knew that was going. And he's probably not a popular, like, uh, I guess he wouldn't be, like, if you could pick one person in the whole world, why would it be this person? 
but I'll tell you why it would be this person for several reasons. So Pat McAfee is my choice. Uh, number one, a diehard Colts fan, Pat McAfee, AKA boomstick was the absolute best punter that the NFL has ever seen. Uh, and he played for Indianapolis. Number two, he's absolutely hilarious. Uh, he's got several podcasts out there uh, that, I mean, you want to get to know a guy uh, absolutely hilarious, but you know, being a punter in the NFL, you don't really think about those guys, you know, outside of professional sports, incredibly down to earth, just complete hilarious, just kind of a, you know, normal dude. And you get to know him through his podcast. And, and, and so the third reason is on, on his show. I did not know this about Pat McAfee, but he goes to the Indiana state fair every year. Uh, he's got an office in downtown Indianapolis and he goes to the Indiana state fair every year, uh, gets a turkey leg, does some carnival rides and he walks into the swine barn to see who won the world's largest boar contest. And then he talks about it on his podcast. So a guy that's, I mean, going to be commentating Monday night football across our fingers that happens. Um, and, and a guy that's got an incredible following I think to have on this show is somewhat realistic. Cause I think we can get him to do it, mm-hmm. but also he's a guy that understands the importance of agriculture and still has an incredible personality uh, that would bring some hilarity to our show. That's a good one. Thanks. That is a really good one. That is a really good one. And there's a nice little shout out for him. So please, we just need yeah, to no get him listen and yes. head on over. <laughs> Mine would be, uh, I had two options, but I think I could get more value out of an interview from Dave Ramsey. Uh, because I've modeled my finances and Frank, quite frankly, faith and his beliefs are something I model after. So those who don't know who Dave Ramsey is, uh, one of the best financial advisors, um, he has his own podcast, he has Ramsey Solutions. And the reason I think it'd be so cool to interview him is to not talk about money. It would more so talk about humble beginnings and um, just the ability to create business because he he frequently, I, and I've listened to his podcast many times, actually one of the reasons why we started our own because I listened to his, but um, he talks about just his card table and the many tears that his families have had and grinding it out because they were in debt and and how do we become out of this? And now he's you know, everything he has is paid for and just the way he models business and the genuine person that he is. And if you listen, like he, he's not a an easy guy to talk to when it comes to somebody that doesn't believe in the way he believes and all that. But I think just talking to Dave and understanding philosophy and do's and don'ts, it's helped me climb my way close to out of debt and just to be able to to dis- discuss that back and forth about just life and how to do business, how to treat people. And that would be, I think an incredible interview. So here's some nameless, here's some nameless people that would be dream interviews for me. And they're they're They are ag related, but I'm just thinking about this, like top show stock industry people from Canada 
Argentina, Scotland, somewhere over there in yeah, England. Yeah. Like having somebody from different countries that show livestock, mm-hmm. that would be incredible. Yep. Also, Ramsey on the that. podcast, Dave Ramsey on the podcast would probably make us all feel like this is a terrible Bad idea. <laughs> yeah. So many things. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Uh, how much did you say you bought that heifer for? Oh, 50,000. Hmm. What's your return on investment going to look like in three years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of risk reward, Dave. Give us a well, break. I know, I know there's an awful lot of wives out there that think that they're really close to being out of debt and then tell their husbands come home with, you know, five extra flushes we didn't know we bought and three new heifers in the barn. <laughs> yeah. The hobby yeah. will get you. <laughs> so... What, um, how do you think that I, you know, you guys are both really active on social media. Um, how do you think that affects you and affects how you interview affects, um, basically the way that you guys run your podcast? So I, I've kind of split up in my head, social media into segments there, there is I call them brain melters. Like TikTok for me is a brain melter. I could flip through that all night long and laugh, and there is absolutely no value to that other than making a crappy day better or just laughing or showing Emily something. Like just a brain melter. Nothing, no value. There's value to that. What's that? There's huge amounts of value to that. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, stuff, just making your day better. And I'm a personality where there, I'm always thinking about the next step. I'm always, how, how do we do this? Let's do this. And I'm texting Corey at weird hours because my brain's on fire. And so brain melters are important. Yes, I agree. And then you have like what, what I think you're talking about is th- what we use, the, the Twitter, the, the Facebook, the Instagrams. Those have now becomes, become an incredibly important part of our business. And uh, it influenced our personal lives, rather we like it or not, uh, even non-business social media influence, and that's that's why it's out there is to influence people in the way that they think should be influenced. So what I'm getting at is there is social media influencers; they get paid to influence others. Um, but as far as our business goes, um, we have to model things maybe differently than what we think to cater to our target audience or who we think needs to see that post or what time of day do you post something to make that audience see it because the nine to fives probably aren't going to see anything at 10 a.m but they will at lunch or they will after they get off the the self-employed guy or girl may see it any time of the day but if you post it too early they're probably already on the road or whatever all stuff we've learned um, while starting stock talk, but it influences us greatly of how we get information out, how we know people are getting that information and what we do with it. Other than word of mouth, the, if it wasn't for social media, I don't know how many people would have learned about our podcast. That's true. Um, and that's probably, that's probably the biggest thing, I guess, as far as, you know, uh, we won't dive into details, but our podcast was recognized within the first 24 hours of us making our first social media post that they completely changed our our logo and and stuff like that. So that in itself should tell you the impact that social media can have on your business. 
uh, we hadn't even launched a podcast yet at that point. And, and so I would say, you know, from a, from an industry standpoint, because of, and it helps because of who our guests have been, but because of social media, our podcast gets listened to. I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced. I mean, yes, there's some word of mouth stuff that I'm sure goes on. Um, but if it wasn't for that, I, I'm, I don't know that we would have the the listener base that we do. And um, if you don't follow us on social media and you're listening to the show, go do so, please. <laughs> We're everywhere, but it's, it is so, it's so hard. Here, here's the thing is if, if you don't have somebody dedicated to your social media, it is so hard to be consistent on multiple platforms. That's what we got. We know we have to be better at, but I think, you know, for those listening that don't have a social media presence or have a smaller one, um, you know, it's the, it's the easiest way to tell your story and get information to people besides shooting them a text or calling them. And it's also the easiest way to totally screw up your story Boom. or, yes. or yes. make, or make it confusing for others. Um, something as simple as I had no idea what an Instagram, um, story uh oh i just shot myself in the grid grid Grid. instagram grid was supposed to look like and if you look back at some of those influencers they all have the same color tone or they all have a some kind of direction that you that they want you to to think that is all subliminal thinking that we don't think about on the surface so once we do something confusing or we post something that is off the wall it confuses an audience and then we may lose that listener or Mm -hmm. And we are we are very very adamant about this at Stock Talk. Is we are very very smart about what we say and when we say it and how to say it. So that's something on a personal level I've grown on. Is if something is on social media that I don't agree about, I don't have to say anything. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, I think when you're red, the difference between running your business on with using social media and using social media personally is being deliberate. And I think you're deliberate when you use print media, you're deliberate when you use radio media, you need to be just as deliberate when you use social media. Yep. And I think that's something you guys do very well. Well, Heidi, you're the one with 70,000 Facebook followers. So I feel like <laughs> I feel like you're you should be answering this question, not us. You're getting there. You're getting there, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah, put another zero at the end of ours. Yeah, we'll be close. <laughs> Goals yeah. for next year. Goals, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys ready for some breakdown? Let's break Let's do it, it down. The breakdown brought to you by Brad Halford. And I'm really, really hoping that Mr. Anderson is listening to this because, you know, mom always needs a new truck. So <laughs> there you go. Maybe not that subtle, but, <laughs> you know, I we drive through Indiana and Ohio all the time. It wouldn't be that hard to pick one up. You know, these guys have a hookup for us. So there you go. All right. The breakdown question today. How? I mean, we all met and visited and had dinner and all that kind of stuff at um summer type conference uh which was a amazing amazing show this past week 
Um, how was attending the first shows after the pandemic for you guys? Uh, how do you think this is going to change the shows in the future? Oh, yeah, that's uh, when I saw this question, I really got to think kind of how I wanted to answer it because there there's to me, there is both positive and negative takeaways from this. And I'm a positive guy. So I'm going to start with positive first. So the fact that we got to attend a show, number one, blew me away uh, of that magnitude. Obviously, there's been other jackpot shows and stuff, but a show of that magnitude with that many people, that many livestock, and and still a world-class event was awesome. Uh some this may be an unpopular opinion, but I did I did kind of like the four ring system. I'm not gonna lie. I think that moved the shows along pretty quickly. Uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe if you maybe if you had hogs in the same classes at the same time, that could be frustrating. But I'm I was kind of pretty for that honestly. Um, you know I, I think there there was some thing obviously some some major differences in being at that show than any other that I've, I've been to. And I just got done judging a show uh, this past weekend in Kentucky where uh, I, I was judging goats and I had to wear a face mask and I couldn't handle the goats, which was way out of my uh, different element to be in. Um, however, they still got to put on a show. And I think we've talked about this several times, but you know, we are so addicted to this thing that we're going to make it happen one way or another. And that's what they did in Des Moines last week. I mean, they made it happen. Um, you know, the first day there was some, there was some rumbling about the healthcare officials being there. And there was lots of announcements being made about practicing social distancing and, and making sure that, you know, if you, if you don't feel well, that you're not there in the barns, um, you know, and, and as far as that goes, uh, I think folks listened and realized what we had to do to keep, to keep it moving. And, and they did. And then the next day you hardly heard anybody. I mean, I didn't hardly hear anybody complain um, about anything. And I think that also goes to show you how bad folks were itching to get to a big one. Um, I, we haven't had a chance to go to any junior nationals, um, but, but there was some normalcy other than folks wearing face masks and, and fist bumping instead of shaking hands. Um, there was some normalcy there. There was people, you know, sitting back at their tack pens, drinking beer and telling stories like always. And, and, and folks going around and, and, uh, you know, getting to have conversations with people face to face that they probably hadn't seen in a while because of this whole pandemic. And, um, you know, it's, it was kind of nice for Trevor and I because, um, you know, when it was going to be an indie, we were going to have a big, we were going to have a big event and do some cool stuff. But, you know, the fact is, is on our way over there to Des Moines, they could have said, Hey, we can't have a show and cancel it. Um, which, you know, we didn't really want to try to set something up super big, uh, for that reason and just enjoy a pig show. And it was really neat to kind of walk through the barns and feel like 2020 wasn't happening uh, like it has been. Um, How do I think it will change the way we show in the future is a really good question because the optimist in me wants to say uh, when 2020 is over with, 
that, you know, or, or even into the spring of 2021 that we're not going to talk about COVID um, and we're not going to be concerned with, with going to these shows or, or anything like that. But I also have to say that it's a very real situation that I think a lot of people are having a hard time grasping um, from the standpoint of it, it's changed our world as it sits right now. This pandemic has changed our world. And I think we're naive to think that it's not going to change the way we do things too. Um, you know, I, I think that livestock shows in general will be, something we're probably going to have to fight for a little bit more than what we're used to. Um, and, and this, this doesn't come from just COVID. This comes from what's happened as a result of COVID. So, you know, our industry has had to be louder than we ever have been because the other side it has been loud, obviously for as long as we can remember, um, you know, these activist groups, things like that. But if we want this thing to exist and, and want to be able to have livestock shows, we are going to have to adapt to change and we're really good at it. We've shown that, but you know, this may mean doing things that are uncomfortable for us that we're not used to. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of people that were probably standing um, in Des Moines that weren't real happy that we had to wear face masks and couldn't shake hands because it wasn't, it, it was different. Um, or we had to show in four rings because uh, of certain reasons that, you know, we're out of some people's control. But if we want to show livestock, we want to raise these things and we want to continue to make livestock better and make kids better. We're going to have to adapt to change and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, That's all I have to say about that. I guess I, I just, I really hope that, that the positive message of showing livestock can continue. And I think it will, but we cannot let those individuals that are uncomfortable with change and that are too bullheaded to stop back and look at the step back and look at the bigger picture, ruin it for us. So Kirky, your thoughts. Very well said, Corey. I've been sitting on this topic uh, for my personal point of view we talked about this pretty much since the start of 2020 in every almost every episode and we try not to but it always comes up um so i'll answer the first part about how was attending your first show after pandemic uh so i was fortunate enough to have it from three different perspectives uh those of you who are listeners um i had the buckeye livestock expo that i helped put on i was part of that committee here in ohio and I kind of have a glimpse of, I'm not going to say nearly as, as the volume or magnitude that the Summer Type Conference did there in Des Moines, but I had a little tip of the iceberg on what it takes to work with health officials and exhibitors and their parents and the general public and people with liabilities everywhere. Um, I had that to start with. And... There in Millersburg, luckily we had a great group of health officials to work with, but that was that's part of the. Uh, I guess it's not attending a show, but the other the other side of the show, I got to judge in this pandemic, uh, and seeing that was way different. Doing the fist bumps and 
uh, having to sanitize as frequently as we had to. Things just uh, that were different. And then, like Corey said, we, we finally got to sit down and attend uh, a show and not just work at a show or not just judge a show, but attend, be spectators. And with that, it it looked very different from what we were used to there in Des Moines. The four rings, the face mask, the fist bumps, the, uh, the signage everywhere. Uh, it looked extremely different. Um, and it was kind of a shock at first because we were all not sure what was going to happen next. Like Corey said, we were there. We were having a show. It wasn't canceled. Nobody shut us down yet. That was like day one talk. And the th- coolest thing is, you know, we, we step foot in the barn and you hear all this pessimistic talk. Well, we better get going before somebody shuts us down or, oh, where's your face mask ass? I guess, I guess that's what we got to do now. And all this just pessimistic talk. But by the time Thursday rolled around, it felt the same. Felt very same. It looked different still. We had the face mask. We were doing the fist bumps. It looked different, but it felt like it has for years. And the reason it fe- it felt the same is because the same people were there. Actually, there was more because people want, were dying to go to a show somewhere. Luckily, CPS and SR were, and ABA were lucky to, to pull that off. And it happened. But the, the feeling was just like, holy crap, we're at a show. Like Corey said, there was, there was less of the BS complaining about your pin space or this, that, or your trailer parking or whatever. There was, there was minimal, minimal that actually, because they were just happy to be at a show. And that's what, that's, that's what really was intriguing to me. Now, what I'm about to say as far as how do we think this will change the future of shows, um, this is what I've been sitting on, and it worries me, but after what I've seen in this, this COVID-19 dilemma we're dealing with is we are the most resilient people on earth. We will find a way to do it. It does not matter if we, if we do the pasture pop-up shows, if we rent out somebody's horse riding facility, whatever, we're going to make it happen. I want to preface that. But what's what's frightening is before COVID was even a blip on our radar, we had in in the show pig industry the talk of ractopamine shutting down shows before COVID was even a real thing. So COVID is just the biggest dark cloud on, on, on our heads right now. And it is scary, but it's not the only one. And the only reason I say that, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but there are commercial producers out there who are pushing the ractopamine ban. But when they see that the cyber stock show is the new normal, they're now going to say, why do you have to have a live show? Now, they're not going to understand that until they actually witness what we saw the first full week of July. They'll never get it. The relationships that are built, the kids that are around each other, the smiles. I mean, I had a family that was 10th in class, and they were elated that they got pinned. I mean, they got a picture at, at your backdrop. I mean, absolutely so happy that they made it there. And screw the banners. We all want to win. We all want money. But this talk about commercial producers are going to shut down these shows themselves because the cyber shows are the new normal. 
since when did normalcy become not diverse? We can have cyber shows. We can have the livestock shows of all species. We can have both. They're actually an awesome tool. So I don't know where that fits in this conversation, but the future of our shows can look way different but still have set the same features it has since Chicago International. So that's that's what I've been sitting on is I hear a lot of talk, and I, I put it in, in my memory bank and kind of sit on it, but there's a lot of pessimistic, pessimistic people out there who think this deal can get shut down tomorrow and probably could, and those... I'm not saying all commercial producers. I don't I don't want to sound doom and gloom, but there's a very, very select few who do not think the show industry should even happen and COVID or not COVID. And they think that the, the cyber deal could be the new normal. I think it's just another tool in our tool belt. And if we're witnessing what we're seeing all over the country with safe livestock shows and the way we've adapted, sky's the limit. I think the resiliency is something that has been probably the most amazing thing to me over the last several weeks. We've had the opportunity to do two junior nationals already, plus that show. And I, with the junior nationals, as well as with the show in Des Moines, it was, it's funny that you picked up on it. The first two days, everybody's antsy and on edge. And within days, this industry has found will find its new normal yep mm -hmm. and as long as we have each other as long as we have you know that family that we choose that family in those rings the family in those pens i think is the limit on what we do and no matter whether it's covid whether it's commercial producers whether whatever it is i think that what this goes to show is that we can rise above all of that yep mm -hmm. and i the very very last family after an extremely long night of picturing guilts um, that came up to our backdrop was that family you were talking about, Trent, mm -hmm. Trevor. And it was absolutely the perfect family to end with because they were, I think, fifth in class with that York. Yep. yep. And they were very first time they'd been to a national show and they were fifth place yep. at a national show. And it was absolutely the best thing to end on was just the pure joy that they had being there. Yep. And that's the kind of thing that we can't forget in all of this is it's at the end of the day, it's the people. It's not even the stock. That's the most important part. And to go yeah. along with that, before we switch topics, um, <laughs> I got pretty emotional talking to Emily when I got home and I couldn't wait to tell her the story. I mean, we had an awesome time with everybody there, but the, I could not wait to tell her about um, Corey and I were in the sheep barn sitting with a bunch of buddies. Finally got uh, after a long day, we were relaxing for a little bit sat down in some lawn chairs, and I was facing towards the group. The alleyway was behind me, and um, I got a tap on my shoulder. It was a very gentle tap, and I turned around, and Autumn Zundel was willing up to me and said, hey, I just wanted to come say hi. It probably scared her, but I jumped out of my seat, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you were going to be here. And uh, those of you who don't know the Zundel family, been through hell and back about the quickest way I can say it. Um, but go back and listen to a couple of episodes that just an, just an amazing young woman that has fought her life out and still was at a pig show. That's all she wanted to do. 
Um, so after a 40-minute conversation, she wanted to go show me Large Marge, her almost 400-pound crossbred gilt, and jerk the Burke that they could not get broke. And it, it, guys, I'm telling you, the look on this girl's face alone, we could be the we could be the only four people in that barn. And she was, she, I got chills talking about it. She wasn't so sure she was going to ever show livestock again, COVID, not COVID. Mm-hmm. But here we are in a pandemic, and all she wanted to do was for me to go over there, look at her pigs, and just chat. And the whole time her parents and I were talking, she was loving on those gilts and those barras and uh, talked about getting back on a horse one day, and I think they've already tried. And, oh, man, I mean, I sat in that chair after we got done talking, and I told Corey, I was like, this is what's all about. This is we're we're doing something right if she decides to come talk to us idiots. And, oh, man, I get a lump in my throat just talking about it. But there, that's that's a situation where COVID doesn't matter, does not matter. And matter of fact, that same class that we talked about, that family uh, with the Yorkshire Guilty got fifth. I believe she was third in that same class and showed her butt off, never stopped her. Yep. Well, I hate to interrupt ourselves to talk about the girl who hijacked our show, but Legacy Livestock Imaging did an incredible job, a.k.a. Heidi Anderson. If you noticed our personal Facebook pages of Corey's and I's, that's all done by Heidi Anderson via Legacy Livestock Imaging. Guys, what's amazing is she's not just livestock. Legacy Livestock Imaging does weddings, senior photos. She said she's coming to Ohio to picture uh, some of the kids around this area. She's all over the place. She's about ready to start the fall run, what she called it, going all over the country, capturing moments unlike any other in the business. Legacy Livestock Imaging can be your photographer for your show. Just contact them, LegacyLivestockImaging.com. Rather, it could be wedding, livestock show, just senior photos. You can do it all. Or if you want to just purchase an amazing photo online, LegacyLivestockImaging.com, you can do that. Be a great gift. Let's get back to it. All right, I'm going to swing you guys around again one more time. <laughs> what is the biggest surprise you guys have had about doing this podcast? I know you guys came into this with preconceived notions of what it was going to be and what was going to happen and where you would be in a year, where you'd be in two years. Um, what are the biggest surprises that you guys have encountered through all of this? Uh, that's a great question. Yeah, other than... <laughs> We've had we've had like one real, maybe two, two real celebrity moments. One happened last year at the Indiana State Fair. Uh, we had uh, <laughs> a, a fan listener. He uh, he wanted his picture with us, and this was as we were walking into the Coliseum at the Indiana State Fairgrounds for the Grand Draft. He wanted to take a picture with the Stock Talk guys. I'm like, I've never had this hat. Like, <laughs> unless you're a star athlete or or an actor or something. Like you never expect that kind of stuff. And, and that was totally unexpected out of the blue. I was like, this is really cool, but I feel uncomfortable and not worthy of this. <laughs> and uh, so it was really neat, but I, so that that's kind of a fun surprise, but you know, when you think about where we started, um, you know, honestly, I'm surprised that I want this podcast to be the voice of our industry as much as I do. Um, early on, it was kind of, I was being kind of selfish, uh, Trevor and I both 
kind of were like, man, we get to talk to all these industry leaders, influencers and, and get to hear their stories and, and really kind of help put our, get ourselves connected with these folks. And, and that's been great because uh, another surprise is just how many, how many incredible people we've gotten to know over the last year and a half. And, uh, but you know, that, that, the passion I think has developed for this thing wasn't, wasn't as strong as what it was. And I think it's because we didn't really know what it could be. Um, so that's been a, that's been a really cool surprise. And I think it's really kind of started with like Trevor and I were talking last week. And uh, you know, if you look at our, like nobody else can see this, but if you look at our back end stats and stuff, you know, we're getting week to week, 12 to 15,000 downloads. Um, that's, that's a lot of people to influence. Um, when you consider our, our niche industry, um, and we're hoping it grows, but at the same time, it's like, you know, there, there's a lot of things that could be discussed and topics we could talk about on here. Um, and, and I guess our growth has been a big surprise to me, uh, given, given we were kind of the first in this thing and, and seeing others come along too has been really cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I could echo all of that. And I've I actually just pulled up on the phone here, Corey, our original goals. And we've talked about this several times, so there's no need to read through all of them. But one of the goals we had for ourselves um, before we launched it was we wanted to have 6,000 downloads in our first year. And we double that every week now. And it's that that's the stats speak for themselves. And that that just knocks me off my my feet. Two other things. Um, Temple Grandin uh, is one of my. I don't want to say idols, but one of the people that I, I really just admire for for what she's been through, what she's done. We got to sit down and have a, a discussion with her. And that still blows my mind. I mean, we were born on the same day. I I was just fangirling over the the whole the whole fact that we got to sit down on our podcast and talk to her. I thought it was we wrote it down on our, our guest list, and I thought, hey, let's put Temple down. Let's we'll make just dream a little bit here. And mm-hmm. she actually, I mean, it was amazing. That was a huge surprise that that all went through, and just an amazing discussion. The the last thing I have, because uh, everything that Corey said kind of we're on the same page about a lot of that, but. What really surprises me is how much our words weigh, and it, they're they're phrases that you didn't even know you said. Like we, I think we talked about this at dinner, uh, where you know you may have some, a, a listener come up to you and say, "I cannot believe you said da 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 da," and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I guess I did, <laughs> didn't didn't mean to or whatever." But they're all good things, you know. They're all they're all phrases that are like, "Wow," I mean. Somebody tagged me in a post uh, on social media or, or put my name on it at least and said, in quotes, it said, you know, doesn't matter what your trailer looks like, what com- it's what comes out of it. And they put my name on a quote. I forgot that I even said that. Uh, but it, it just amazes me that our listeners, and I love it, that they can pull information and quotes out of, out of our episodes and to be able to impact that many people with without trying, I mean that's that's second second icing on the cake is that hopefully we can continue to influence positive attributes in our industry. 
So to kind of wrap things up, I'm going to spin something onto you guys that you asked all of us last year that you didn't answer yourselves. <laughs> so where do you see stock talk in five years and where do you see the industry at large in five years? Yep. I knew that was coming one of these times. Um, so I'll shoot from the hip here because I'll say like all of you guys did. I wish I had a crystal ball, but I really don't know. <laughs> no. uh, it, like it seems like a lame answer when we were saying yeah. it. Until you had to it, huh? Yeah. Uh, no. And so I, I'll let the, the kitten out of the bag. It's not really a cat yet. Cause I don't want to do that. But Corey and I have a multi-step plan and without being too arrogant or whatever, we're on not even halfway through our step process. So our five-year plan is huge. I mean, seeing what we did in 18 months, we've got to reevaluate our scope and, and our runway because I think we're about ready to fly right over it. And we're constantly developing and making this deal bigger and better. I mean... Hence the the meeting we had with you, Jen and Jace. I mean, holy crap. So in five years, Stock Talk uh, could potentially be multimedia. Uh, I've always said if this deal is a podcast, in one year we're dead. It's just a podcast. So we're we're gonna be way more than than just a podcast. Um, we have huge vision. And the best part is we have vision that align with some of the best businesses in our industry. And when you get an army like that, that backs you naturally, there was no, Hey, sign this, uh, non-disclosure or sign this contract before we start talking. There was none of that. And when we, when our brains start all spinning on the same rate at all times, um, in five years, we could, uh, knock on wood there, but I think we've got our steps are coming into play. So, that's stock talk, and in the industry at large, we're going to continue to develop. Uh, and and I know a lot of our guests said this, but in, in five years, I see a lot more technology involved in livestock. Um, and really, we we haven't we haven't tipped that iceberg yet. Um, there's no uh, I, I envision it looking like each the end of each end zone when it comes to. Uh, like uh, an NFL game or a college game with all that media there. Uh, there's going to be, I envision a livestock channel. I know uh, Walton had sports center for, or a stock center for a while. That's like a sports center. I, I see all that still evolving and it, it could, it, it could happen because the sky is literally the limit. We've developed the cyber stock show world in a matter of months and I'm excited because that's about the time cross my fingers that I'll have little ones getting ready to show or in, in a few years, probably more so like 10, but boy, that's, that's exciting stuff because uh, we're already evolving. And if, if the people in this industry continue with an open mind and don't self center them themselves in boards or, or organizations and have the true greater good in mind, we could, we could tackle a lot of things together. But it's when those folks start putting themselves in the equation 
how does this better help me? We are shooting ourselves in the foot, and it's actually happening. But things evolve. Things move around. And the ones who always have the true value at mind prosper, period. Amen, brother. Good stuff. I don't, you know, obviously Trevor and I talk weekly about where Stock Talk's going to be in five years. Sometimes we have a hard time focusing on where Stock, stock Talk's going to be in five minutes. <laughs> but <laughs> the, uh, the larger scope, of this thing is is limitless you know i just i my my goals for stock talk as a podcast is is to be the source of information for livestock people and and that kind of goes along with trevor's little letting the kitty out of the bag but you know there's there's so much good happening in our industry ac- across species that um, you know I, I think there's tons of potential uh, for us to continue to grow. I would like to think um, this is this is a big leap dream here, um, but I, you know where do I see stock talk in five years? I hope Trevor and I get to pay ourselves um, in five years. That's that's a big thing. Um, if we could, if we could do that, um, and, and be able to, to service this industry and work in it, that that's, that's kind of where I would like to see us in five years. And boy, that's a big dream. Uh, I think if we hustle hard enough, we might be able to do it. Um, the, the industry at large, man, Trevor, your, uh, your technology comment, I, I really, I really agree with that, um, a ton. My other thing is, um, and this is, I don't know, I haven't really talked with anybody about this, but, you know, studying COVID and how shows are now, um, I can tell you if, if, if we don't take it seriously, and, and some people might laugh at me for saying this, uh, because I know on a, on a national and state level, you know, folks that listen to this show, you, you to some extent probably make fun of the county fair but i'm telling you right now that if we do not survive at the county fair level whether it's state you know whether it's you know, uh, college run or university run or not if we do not survive at the county level with people interested in showing livestock our industry will not make it long amen Yes, absolutely. And, and so to that, I say, where do I see the industry at large in five years? I hope because of that statement right there that we can realize as an industry that if we don't bring up the county fair kid when he's when he's 10 years old show or eight years old showing for the first time to get him in three years into a national show ring, that there's going to be a lot less people doing it. And so I hope that because of that statement, that we will encourage and help mold and make young people that are as fired up about this thing to grow as we are. And I, and I know we talk about it. Everybody says that, you know, we're going to get bigger. We're going to get bigger, but I encourage you that if, if you want to see this thing grow as bad as we do, 
in five years, we w- we should have more people involved in it because at the smallest scale, we are making it just as big of a deal as it is on the national level. Some people might make fun of me for that because winning your county fair may not seem like a big deal. I know a lot of people that win big shows that can't win their county fair. Mm-hmm. Whether it be political or whatever is is not the point. And showpig.com did a survey and they listed all of the majors and your county at the bottom. Your county and they asked which which fair or which show would you like to win the worst and it was always your county. Almost landslide. Yep. The 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 majority of folks that exhibit livestock hardly ever go to their state fair. So if we want to see this industry growing and continue to thrive in five years, I hope that because people get really passionate about that part of our, our business, that in five years we will see more people showing livestock and getting involved in this industry. That's awesome. I absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. And I want to thank y'all for um, letting me hijack you. And I'm, extremely blessed to be involved with both of you guys and have the opportunity to get to know you guys better and be involved in any of this with you guys. So um, I suppose I'll hand your reins back over um, <laughs> to Stock Talk just this once. Well, we appreciate you. It, it is a very different feel, and you're exactly right. Uh, we needed this. Um, glad we got you on the team as well. So uh, but no, seriously, thanks for, for doing this. Uh, we're approaching 10 o'clock here in the Eastern time zone. And uh, I know this is uh, earlier than Wednesday when we get to record this. But um, yeah, this was very, very good for my own benefit and hopefully the benefit of others. So thanks, Heidi. We really appreciate you. Yeah, Heidi, you're the best. You take great pictures. By the way, new profile pic for me and Trevor. Yes. Hey, somebody you guys look as cool as you sound. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, seriously, though, um, it's it's been awesome. Appreciate it, Heidi. Looking forward to to doing more awesome stuff together. So can't wait, can't wait. Thank you guys for everything for the industry and and give you know giving that hand up like you were talking about, Corey, with um, with those younger kids. I know it's something we strive to do a lot is any of us who have been blessed enough to be on a national stage over the years, um, do you owe those kids more than you will ever know? Mm -hmm. You owe that kid at a county level the opportunity to teach them what you know and to help them out. And, you know, maybe some of them will go on to state and national level. And if they don't, then they will influence the 10 other people along in their life as to what they've learned showing livestock, even on the county level. And I think that's the only way that we change perceptions. No doubt. I agree. Well, I think we might as well just uh, send this one out, Corey. Uh, Follow us on all the socials. Uh, Follow. I'm sure half of the country has already followed uh, Lexi Livestock Imaging, but do that too. Um, And we're excited, guys. we got a lot of cool things coming. Our apparel line is in the works. It's becoming real. We had a good visit uh, at the Fierce Threads booth. We have fresh 2021 style stuff coming uh it's it's about to be amazing so guys we love each and every one of you and we'll catch you next week